to the Mortal Realms and Age of Sigmar story phase. Grab your hammer so we can clear a path through the chaos and forge our own narratives in the Age of Sigmar. Your allies through the fanes this episode are... I'm Davey, and I was going to suggest that we do this recording with pants off, but since we're still in lockdown, that's really just Tuesday. (laughs) I am Paul, and uh, I don't know how to tell you guys this, but I got the devil inside because I'm all about this in excess. (laughs) And I'm Aaron. And a reminder for everybody that fiends are not friends unless they are. In this episode, we cover the lore of the Hedonites of Slaanesh Battle Tome. Get ready to hear a whole lot of narcissism, overindulgence, depravity, and lewdness. And then, if we have time for, after all that, we'll talk about Slaanesh. You guys, how are you tonight, my fellow carnies? <laughs> feeling, feeling sensual. Yes. <laughs> yeah, but how's that any different than any other <laughs> night? I'm at. I, uh, yeah. I tried to get a themed beverage for tonight. Uh, best I could do is a chaos monger from uh, War Pigs and Three Floyds. Ooh, that's I mean that's as close as I could ever hope for. So good, I mean, good job. I've I've got a strawberry lambic, so I'm really not in excess at all. Sorry, I lied. Um, I am just drinking a high life because that's all that's all I ever drink. The champagne. Of beers. Honest is back in look, my life again. Yeah, and it's true. And look, it's a good honest spirit, a good honest price. Um, and I've had so many of them. Some would some would argue that I have obsessed with them quite possibly. So, <laughs> my my dudes, it's been a little bit uh, since we recorded. Um, so I'm that, I'm sure that means I'm positive that means that we have gotten so much hobby done since the last time we chatted. And personally, I don't care about anyone anyone else, but really just me and only me would love to hear <laughs> what you guys have been up to. So tell me and no one else. Mm. Should we start high? Go with Paul. I love it. Ooh. Yes, please do. I have been smashing out a Harkiran army. Smashing. Uh, so I conveniently made a really crazy oddball conversion for my Corsair army like years ago based on the um, the skirmish campaign that Eric ran back in the day. And somehow it actually ended up becoming canon because it was so crazy that apparently Phil Kelly decided it was worth doing too. So uh, it's now a Harkiran army. Um, so I have been having a great time. Yeah, I know. He thinks alike to me, so I don't know what his excuse is because he's got a great mind, but I mean, I am me, so it is what it is. Poor guy. Uh, and that campaign that Eric ran, ran was, is called Renown or Ruin, and you can That's find correct. it at com slash Renown or Ruin if you guys wanted to find out more about it. Boom diggity. Always, uh, always be plugging this guy. I'd like to know more. Always be working. Uh, so I'm painting a Caribdis at the moment. Ooh, cool. Right on. Davey? Yeah, I am 100% assembled on Underworlds. Um, got all the, the warbands done. And then uh, I got really excited to uh, paint the Slanesh warband, but I felt obliged that I need to uh, try to clear the decks of the uh, different things I've started but not finished. Uh, so I have several warbands. I have uh, Steelheart's Champions, the Chosen Axes, and uh, the Worm Spat are all in various states. And I uh, got, uh, got some progress on uh, my Chosen Axes. I was trying a Frost Giant theme. And I kind of flamed out on it because it was too much. It was like ice on ice <laughs> on ice. And, uh, and I decided to get a little contrast in there. So I did some kind of glowing ember axes. And uh, I'm very happy with how it came out. So... Got some momentum there that I'm going to try and keep riding that. Yeah, boy, that sounds cool. Um, it's the danger of these warbands, though. Is like when as soon as you get something to work, you're like, oh, I could do a whole army of that. Like, mm. <laughs> well, don't don't do it. Resist. I mean, or don't resist. I don't know whose side I'm on. I guess um, 
and given this, this is the Slanesh episode, I suppose it's the exact opposite. Yeah, dive dive right in, my friend, um, and take me with you. Uh, in terms of things that I'm working on, I'm, I'm literally I can see it right there. I don't know why I'm hesitating about this. I'm putting together one of them there mega gargants. Um, Ooh, with the chaos one, the stompy dude guy, war stomper, uh, war stomper. Um, let me tell you, guys, this is this this kit is a delight to put together. Oh, I, I am know. Having, I'm having the time of my life assembling this thing. Um, I don't know something about it. Like it's a good mix of like big pieces and little pieces. And so if you get like burnt out, like filing away mold lines on little fiddly bits, like, Oh, don't worry, man, you gotta, you gotta do an entire gargant arm next. And so like, that's you know, pretty easy. Um, I love all the different bits and things. It's just, it's just a, it's just a pleasure. Um, so it's good. It's good work if you can get it basically. And, uh, I, <laughs> Uh, I recommend it to everyone. Am I correct in presuming that uh, the the Aaron rules dictate that you don't have to get three of these? You don't have to build them in each different way. Just as long as you've got one of the kit, you've you've done it. Here's the deal. Uh, that is correct. Okay. But but I can see why people wouldn't think that that was the case. But um, I don't. I'm not trying to like collect the entire Gargan army. Um, and really, I only want the one. Actually, I don't know this. I should probably ask Josh or Paven, our resident Warcry experts, host of the hit podcast Dogs of Warcry. Um, and that the main reason I even wanted one in the first place is because they have rules for it in Warcry. And I think I don't know if this is true, but I wonder if it's just generic Mega Gargant in that game, or if like the different Mega Gargants have different rules there. I don't know. I think it's generic when I look okay. at it. So I, I hope it's generic. Um, assume that your rules are more skew oriented than War Scroll oriented. Yeah, de- definitely, definitely uh, true. You got me. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad uh, that I can take you along on this journey. Um, I'll lie. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, we have talked. That was me clapping. Uh, we have talked about the things that we've been working on. Nobody cares anymore. They want to hear about the Slanesh battle tome. So, how about we just hop right into the story phase, Paul? Boom. The story phase. In the story phase, we delve into the stories, characters, creatures, and environments of the Nine Realms. Mm, so good. I missed it so much. Um, we're here. We're in the story phase. We made it. Uh, check it out, everybody. We're talking about the Slanesh battle tome, Hedon Knights of Slanesh. Um, for those of you with great memories, or even just passable uh average memories you'll recall that we actually talked about these dudes um when their first battle tome came out i want to say in 2018 does that feel right yeah yeah, that sounds great um so because of that i don't know that we need to go kick over every single rock i feel like it's been done everybody can catch up by listening to our listening to our previous episode which is i'm sure exhaustive for the time um exhaustive and exhausting recording it yeah hey (laughs) um uh, so maybe we don't need to start at the very, very beginning, despite the fact it being a great place to start. Um, maybe we gloss, gloss over. We keep giving me music cues. I'm really trying hard not to sing constantly. And you, can, you? And you can't tell me, you can't tell me what to do. Hey, I didn't sing sound of music right there. All right. Give me some credit. Uh, no credit. Uh, so, um, let's, let's give some v- vague, nonspecific, uh, introduction to Slanesh for those folks who aren't going to go back in that I want to hear a one sentence summary of uh, who, who this, this Slanesh army is from you guys. I want to hear your best off the cuff one sentence. Paul, you're really good at this. So I want to hear yours first. Let's go with um, this army is the epitome of the embodiment of the synonym 
of excess and every single expression thereof. I love it. Uh, I want more of it. Jimmy, hit me up. <laughs> uh, I would just say it there. The, uh, the disparate uh, mortal and demonic adherence to uh, Slanesh's way. Cool. That's a good way to put it. Sure. Um, and uh, jokes on you guys. I'm the one asking the question, so I don't have to answer. Uh, so let's. <laughs> we know your ways. Yeah. <laughs> no one is making a surprise face right now. <laughs> so uh, let's let's if we're going to look at the history again, we've already sort of gone step by step. Um, we've covered really basically the history of Slanesh in the Mortal Realms multiple times. Not even in this, just in the Slanesh Battle Tome. We talked about it in I think like the Wrath of the Ever Chosen. We talked about Slanesh. We talked it, talked about it in the Deepkin uh, review that we did in their Battle Tome. There's all the chunk of Slanesh in there too. Uh, we talked about it in the Lumineth Battle Tome. Talked about uh, how Slanesh came to be. I think we've kind of done the Slanesh thing. Uh, to excess and in in our own way i think we've made him more powerful so you're welcome <laughs> big guy um however i will say let's we can let's let's run through a little bit of this history and maybe try and identify if there have been any opportunity any any things that have changed or any things that we that we've learned that we didn't know before and the answer may be nothing i'm interested to hear what you guys have to say about it so history starts in uh the age of myth uh, Sinesh rolls up, he gets locked up, blah, 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 chains, uh, souls, uh, barb spikes, elves, et cetera, et cetera. Um, did, did, did this book offer any new insights um, to that to that time period? Did we learn uh, anything? I didn't feel like it. I, I think by and large, it, it just kind of uh, reiterated a lot of things that we've kind of seen already at this point. We, we know uh, some of it is, you know, relatively speaking, new in the sense that we didn't know some of these things right when AOS first came out, you know, Slanesh was just missing. But uh, as the, as the Elven books have released, we've gotten the sense of uh, just how Slanesh got trapped at the, uh, at the dawn of the mortal realms. Um, I think we did learn a little bit that um, he was lurking from the very beginning. Um, I, I felt like it, it did a, a pretty good job of saying that, Whereas the other chaos gods kind of had to discover that this was a place that they could despoil, I feel like Slanesh kind of always knew um, and was waiting in the background for his opportunity a little bit more than perhaps Korn or Zinch or Nurgle. Almost out of necessity a little bit, right? Like he was lounging on like a real a real comfy couch being like, I'll... I'll get there in like I'll get there in a sec. Just give me it. Mm-hmm. Just give me a sec. Really cool. Yeah, uh, just just a moment, please. Um, and then he took a Thanksgiving snooze. Um, yep. And then he then he woke up and rolled up. Oh, that trip to fan. Yeah. <laughs> and so, in the same way that we sort of gloss over the age of myth, I think this the book kind of does too. There's only like one story, like talking about how uh, he was fettered, called the fettered god, and it, mm-hmm. it basically summed up the just this the story of the elves locking him up. Uh, via chains in uh, Ugish, U- yeah, Ugish, right? Hitting gloaming, mm-hmm. that yep. old place. Uh, we talked about it enough. You'd think I would know what it was called. Uh, <laughs> and so let's uh, we can hop over to Age of Chaos. Here's a little bit more. Here's a little bit of new, a little bit of new stuff going on. Um, he's still obviously chained, chained clean up, um, but that doesn't mean that his forces aren't running around uh, causing causing a ruckus. Um, there are a few more stories here uh, in this time. Did any uh, any of these stories grab you that you guys wanted to talk about in this age of chaos? 
I did like the Skinner's War, where it actually calls out the unmade specifically. Um, I like that they have included them in the AOS proper lore instead of just Warcry. Uh, so the unmade are one of the war bands that was released for Warcry in the original season. So um, there's just a lot. There's a lot to be said for making the worlds and the realms full and more connected. I know that Aaron loves when they connect two different things together. So Yes, I do. <laughs> so making this official canon is a cool thing. They kind of started it with the Canite Shadowstalkers when we were talking about Broken Realms, uh, Marathi. And I like that we're actually tying everything in together and making things happen at the same time and making an actual straight-up timeline for what's happening and when. And I think that's pretty amazing. Yeah. And you're talking about the Skinner's War story. And I, th- I think it's really cool to like have the unmade and slint, like the followers of Slanesh, the Hedonites, like square off because um, whenever these like uh, chaos focused uh, war bands came out, like obviously they, they don't subscribe to any particular chaos gods specifically, but like each one, or maybe maybe not even all of them, but some of them kind of lean towards like a chaos god. Like they, they're, they're worshiping, worshiping them without even really knowing that they're worshiping them. And so when it comes to the unmade talking about like the reason they're dicing themselves up is sort of like the, 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 the thrill of it, the, 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 the pain of it, the, the, the excess of it. So very clearly a Slanesh based uh, faction, even though they, though, though they themselves either, would deny it or wouldn't even know that that's what they are doing. And so to have them square up against the Hedonites is kind of like, a, oh, wait, no, you guys are basically the same or two sides of the same coin. Um, right. But even so, um, they're going to be at each other's throats um, because although they may sim- like worship similarly, like it's still very distinctly different. Yeah, I think I uh, when I was jotting notes for this, I, I said that uh, the two sides lined up and had a gross off. Uh, <laughs> they're they're uh, fighting not for territory, not for glory but just for skins which whoop. <laughs> you know, it feels like you pull up and you're like we're street racing we're we're going for pink slips like oh man literally pink slips and, <laughs> uh and then uh slanish the slanish forces get enough flayed skins and they they peace out for what to, to do something unknown i'm trying to think how i can get how i can slip a joke uh shirts or skins in there i'm trying to it's in it's it's there i just gotta find it something something shirts or skins got it no got well, it and i one. will laugh and <laughs> delightful <laughs> <laughs> Um, so that was a new story and, and it, it, you know, couldn't, couldn't have existed in the pre- previous battle tone because I don't think the unmade, um, were around. So, um, although this is sort of, uh, Unites of Slanesh part two, like the sequel to that second battle tome, there's still, still a fair bit of new stuff in here to, to read about, even if it's these little like fun stories that we couldn't have had before. Um, another neat one is this, uh, this flesh and gold one. It's, there's this. Uh, dwarf and the there's this I don't know stronghold of dwarves and they're able to fight off their enemies due to the help of these like incredibly powerful golems under the control of this Bront courts them um, and everyone's like oh man you've got some really those are really powerful like th- thanks thanks for keeping us safe and no one really asks any questions as to where they came from um, but obviously they are uh, he has his, he has a dark secret like your power doesn't just come easily uh, and out of nowhere but rather he had you know been uh, making dark deals with um, Slanesh or, you know, the, the powers the Slanesh wields. And in doing so, uh, he, his, his golems uh, 
had a, had a dark secret, and of course, um, it spelled ruin for the folks that he were in, he was you know protecting at some point. Yeah, they're all yeah, this, uh, powered by sinew and stolen Dwarden organs bound together in dread symbiosis. Gnarly. Mm-hmm. I was trying to save the listeners, Davy, uh, the, the <laughs> horror of knowing that you know, just kidding. Um, I will but, yeah. nothing. <laughs> they gotta, they gotta get busy. They gotta grow up, man. They gotta learn one of these days. And I wouldn't get super into it, but I think it was worth mentioning. There's sins illuminated, and it's the the lumineth of Hish. Uh, their their uh, pride and competition gets out of hand, and they they end up inadvertently inviting Slanish into their realm, uh, which forever taints the realm of light. The realm of light will forever be tainted by the cataclysmic consequences of their pride. That's a really history repeats itself. And we sometimes see this a little bit with, uh, you know, I, I, I don't think it's like a lazy writing thing. I think that I like this idea of cycles, you know, where the, you know, the, these, these cycles loop on themselves and repeat themselves and, uh, and, uh, can, you know, some of the struggle is, can you break free of the cycles? Can you break free of what you're fated to do? You know, it happened. It happened in the old world. The elves kind of brought uh, Slanish into being. Um, not exactly the same here, but it's a it's a similar story there. Uh, and now they're kind of repeating some of those sins. Um, and we'll see that again. I think a little bit later. Yeah, I think if you were ungenerous, you could call it tropes. Um, but I, what I really think is that th- there are things that just define the race, right? Um, elves have always been weak to Slanesh. And that's been a very defining part of their character, and and they're I strong think, against dragon Pokemon. So, like, it, it's strength and weaknesses. Yeah, you know it. Uh, so, I think it is a, a great thing to reinforce some of those like absolutely defining characteristics. Um, and that's actually going to be something I'm I'd like to talk about a little bit later as we get into. Uh, the prison and everything uh, for Slanesh and how he's breaking it. So uh, it's a cool tieback, but also a good plant to make you think about the races in a slightly different way, which I think a lot of what this battle tome does is it's meant to, to give you rose colored glasses to make you look at the different things that every race does and realize how so many of them are really drawn to excess and how so many of them really do power Slanesh in one way or another. Yeah, absolutely. And in fact, well, okay. And it comes up later. So yeah, the, good, good point. We can definitely talk more about, uh, more about that at one point. Um, but before we do, let's hop on over to the age of Sigmar, the best age, some would say, especially, I mean, if you were Sigmar, you'd definitely say, uh, that it's the best one. Um, and, uh, it, it brings us a little bit to a more modern time, but th- this brings a few, uh, few new stories here as well into the age of Sigmar, though also a few re- repeat stories from the previous battle tone, but we won't get into those. Um, did any of the age of Sigmar stories, uh, catch your eye that you wanted to chat about? Uh, you know, uh, people were excited to see Sigvald come back. He's got a sweet, sweet model. And so there's a, there's a story here and it's very Sigvald in that, uh, he comes in and, uh, he was in the old world. He met his fate at the hands of a chaos troll. And so now I really has reason to, you know, I, how, how much of that he clearly remembers or not. Um, he has reason to hate Tragus, but one of his first thing when he comes back is to, 
hunt them out and uh, kill them because they are ugly and he doesn't like how they look, which <laughs> sounds like an exquisitely petty reason for, you know, a very powerful being to do something uh, pretty. Uh, Sometimes the most powerful people are the most petty, though. Hmm. Makes you think. <laughs> If this were a video, you'd all see us uh, cocking our heads and grabbing our chins. Yeah, doing a little, uh, little uh, hand shelf. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, Aaron, you're very powerful. Yeah, uh, well, it, it, the more the more petty I get, the more powerful I seem to get. So it's a death spiral. So so or, yeah, an upward death spiral though. It's like the it's like the toilets in Australia. <laughs> They go up. I thought they went the other way, counterclockwise. Well, just instead, yeah, instead of Australia, I guess. <laughs> you you can't see. They don't. <laughs> Davey, I'm surprised you didn't want to talk about uh, to torture a mountain, mainly because I need you to stay in your lane, basically, uh, because this is a little bit of the story. I'm just kidding, guys. Uh, the the story of um, insert name of Salonesh Warband here and their trek into um, the dire chasm. Dread pageant led by. Vasilak the Gifted. You're so good at the names. <laughs> like to hear you rattle off like each like the the, the mookiest mook of you know the most dangliest of bros uh, <laughs> names, and I'm like, how do you know who that guy is? There's like there's like 300 dudes to remember. Yeah, um, ill-spent moments. Mm-hmm. And by think of all the things you can't remember because you remember their name. Yeah, yeah. I could play an instrument, or I could list off all the fighters' names in Underworlds. Yeah. <laughs> um, it wasn't even much of a story. It's basically saying, hey, you remember how we had that uh, Underworlds game? And this is a Slanesh guy in there. But um, it, it is something that I appreciate about You know, Underworlds is a, is a game that, uh, you know, a lot of the people who play it lean heavily on the mechanics. But I, I enjoy, I mean, I enjoy that it is still tied into the world. Uh, at large, and there's still like a developing storyline of the uh, Cataphrane curse has escaped Shades Pirates now in Gur in this Beast Grave Mountain, and you know the ramifications if that curse gets out to a more widespread, uh, uh, you know, spreading around the realms at, at a greater level is uh, is pretty significant. So that's that's kind of cool, and and so it's fun where they figure out like they take the time to say, okay, why is this warband showing up into Shades Pyre or uh, or beast grave or you know what what are they doing here and here it's uh the the mountain itself this beast grave this big hungering mountain which traditionally has lured all these war bands lured you know different fighters or war bands or armies in and then consume them you know makes them think that there's something there that they want uh but now that everyone that's inside the the mountain is has this cataphrane curse so as soon as they die they're brought back again and so it's like uh, it's it's got this meal that it, it can't get any sustenance from, and so it's in anguish because it's not getting its its food, and so they're they're uh, they're brought in by this like ooh that exquisite anguish like let's go make it even worse, and so they're going to, like <laughs> let's what what would happen if we torture an entire mountain, which which again is like it's it's just uh, it's a cool angle, and uh, really I you know I guess you you brought it up, but I. I appreciate that they take the time to uh, go through that uh, story building, even for for uh, a war band that's played in a game that is a lot about a lot of times just kind of about the numbers. Um, yeah, I agree. Like my only draw towards Underworlds, mainly because I'm really bad at it, is is just the uh, glimpse into another aspect, like a, you know, a, a, uh, an, an attached room to the uh, Age of Sigmar uh, lore. 
You don't like anything about the Karnathi, huh? It's just the lore, huh? Uh, well, I mean, yeah, the models are cool, too. <laughs> so this actually does um, tie into one of my thoughts that I thought was really interesting about this battle tome is that the Wanderers actually... Well, I'm, so- I'm sorry, I, should real- I hate to interrupt, um, but the audience will be upset. Uh, we'll be the judge of that. Okay, go <laughs> Fair. Uh, so... The Wanderers were the only, like, en masse um, migration from the world that was into the realm of, uh, into the mortal realms, right? Because they were in that pocket dimension. I guess. I thought Um, that pocket dimension collapsed. I thought they didn't actually make it in there. But uh, I I remember at some point someone was no longer able to detect it. But if you you have a strong understanding that they they made it, then I, I would defer to that. I, f- I, well, I might be wrong. Um, well, but if, if not but, them, then a, a million other things. Like, isn't that the whole point of like the age of myth is that there were countless ways for the old world people, like po- pockets here and there. Like that's how they got populated in the first place is that it was just like, Oh, someone stumbled in and like, I guess spontaneously generated the rest of the world. Question mark. The, the interesting thing to me is that they are the, the purest of the elves, right? We have damn right. We have the um, Order Serpentis, and we have all this other stuff going on. But by and large, the vast majority of the High Elves are no longer a thing, right? So we have Lumineth, and then we have the Daughters of Cain. But these are all races that are taken from Slanesh, right? Same thing with the Ideneth. Um, so it's interesting to me that the Wanderers are not included into the Cities of Sigmar, as as completely as everybody else is they're they're included slightly uh but i i feel like they're definitely still outside of the normal lore and they have a really interesting possibility to be a completely untainted elven race and with the karnathi it seems to portray them as going to a different god going to a different belief and it would be very interesting for me to see an elven race that doesn't fall to slanesh that doesn't fall to excess by giving themselves to another god as in kernwath or the worship of his being um and are you you saying you know because there's others that haven't fallen but one that is not defined by their relationship with slanesh in exactly yeah i'm very interested to see where that goes because of that specific threat yeah, 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 yeah. Especially because, like, it's it's already been made clear who the players are, or who who the which part of the pantheon is pulling souls out of Slanesh. And so, like, it's almost as if Karnathi can't, right? Like, it's, we we would know about it already. So, like, because of that, their origin has to be something else. Um, and yep. I'd be interested to see what it is. Yeah. Well, especially because Alariel did not participate at all. Like, Alariel shunned that whole thing. Rightfully so. Good call, Lariel. <laughs> Wash your hands of the whole business. So it's kind of to get back on topic. Um, so Gesthrix, the Realm Strider, which is the story behind Shadow and Pain. So this is the, the kind of the third time that we're going into this story. I, and again, I love the tying together because Shadow and Pain was the box set, which was the, the Malusai versus the Slanesh. And so they told the story of this pursuit. Um, and in the pursuit, they discovered that Marathi was 
taking Korn, Nurgle, and Zinch prisoners in order to do something. And then in Mortal Realms Marathi, we find out that she was taking those three because she wanted to get the attention of Slanesh and pull the souls out from him. And now we have this tied in again. Um, the knowledge was sought out by Sinhart, and then that leads directly into the next plot point. So again, this is a, we're walking from plot point to plot point to plot point, and we're very clearly defining when this moment in time happened. Um, it, it, it's cool, uh, because instead of saying, I played battles during the Realmgate Wars, right? We're like, no, I actually, I fought battles during Shadow and Pain before Mortal, before Broken Realms even happened. We're, we're very clearly defining these moments and these pieces of history. Yeah, I played battles before Broken Realms. You, you probably hadn't, you probably haven't heard of it. Um, <laughs> pretty, it's pretty obscure. I, I thought that story was also interesting because it talks specifically about them fighting their way through the monstrous Scathborn, mm-hmm. um, which were that, I, am I correct? It's the first. They were the first out. Uh, first yeah. failed race that uh, Teclas tried to pull out. It was like, woo, I really douched it up this time. Well, and then yeah. Marathi was like, I, I'll take those. And then she made those into the snake ladies. Yoink. So those well, the are the physically tainted. Yeah. Oh, I did not realize this. Yeah. I learned something. Uh, more, we're going to have to read uh, the Daughters of Cain book next. And I'm sure they'll talk all about it. Um, speaking of hitting hitting the um, Marathi points, um, obviously the biggest event, I think, in, in the world of Slanesh then happened soon thereafter. In that blah, 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 Marathi comes a goddess, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, Steals a bunch of souls from inside Slanesh, uh, fights uh, Anirian, I think we're pretty sure. But in, in doing so, it allows Slanesh just a moment to uh, hakalugi um, and kick out it, some part of his essence out into Olgu. And um, in the, the, it's brought up here to sort of highlight the fact that now the Hedonites um, have caught wind of this. They can, they can. They can feel it and they can smell it on the wind. And uh, everybody and their brother, assuming their brother is a Hedonite Slanesh, are heading to uh, Ulu <laughs> to check out this uh, this this new this whether it's a new Slanesh, whether it's a part of Slanesh, maybe it's the same old Slanesh, second verse same as the first. I don't know. Um, and they're they're heading in that in that direction. Um, we'll talk more about like chains and breaking stuff out. I think in a in a in a minute. Um, he's he's re he's reestablishing. Well either himself or some other thing that's like himself uh, on on the mortal mortal realms. And we got, I, I think a lot of the people who had not seen the book were asking some some questions along those lines. Uh, you know, like what, did we get any more insight into what it was? And honestly, not much. Although, you know, we, we had some conversations about it. I th- the book specifically describes it as uh, a shard of his truest and most vile essence. So that's, that's what this... Uh, excretion is mm, i don't like that word <laughs> this moist excretion <laughs> no, no. go back to excretion go back to excretion <laughs> you ruined it um yeah so it, I'll, I'll i'll call out some of those questions now in fact so uh, iron pit from the discord oh by the way guys uh if you wanted to get a question on the moral realms show the story phase um what you gotta do is join our discord at www.themortalrealms.com discord is that www.themortalrealms.com discord 
you know it is, Paul. Um, and uh, hang out all the time, all day. I get really lonely during the day at work. So like, please uh, keep me company. <laughs> and then when we're about to record a show, I'll ask, hey, anybody got any questions for the show? And that's when you can ask them of us. And then I'll put them in the show. I wrote it right here. Like our, our dear friend Iron Pit um, was asking, uh, does it expand, it being the book, does it expand on the reactions of the other gods like Slanesh's return? Um, and then I'll tie it into Koros also ask, he's, he's Scarbrand's daddy, if I remember correctly. Uh, do we get any reaction from the other chaos gods towards the newborn Slaneshi revival? Both are asking, hey, what do the other gods think about Slaanesh rolling up? Do you have any thoughts, my dear friends? So I did not see anything specifically with the the uh, Slaanesh being released, but I did feel like in the uh, discussion earlier, uh, like early on, it, it's kind of talking about uh, Slaanesh uh like what slant if, if you were very new to um games workshop canon uh talks about what slanesh is and there were some lines in there that I, i'm sure are not new but they were new to me um uh and I, I this might be a good moment to take an aside on it oh so i talked about uh slanesh slanesh is lent form and power not by the nature of feelings and desires but by their degree and this is where it kind of ties into the other chaos gods because like you know if you're the, the more obsessed you are with any one thing, the more it feeds Slanish. And because these other chaos gods are about, you know, all about a particular aspect, you know, so like if you're, if you're so obsessed with, you know, fury and rage and, and warfare, uh, then you actually, you know, if you're, if you're that obsessed, you can end up feeding Slanish and, you know, similar, like going into the depths of despair or, or, or pain or suffering or, you know, what you know, Nurgle or, or, uh, or planning and deceit and all that sort of thing. Then, uh, for, for Zinch, then, uh, you end up feeding Slanish. And so it talks about like in, in the, in the back of their minds, the other chaos gods are, have that, have that little bit of doubt or like, hold on, like, if I really do my job right, am I just feeding our youngest brother, sister, you know, like our, our youngest sibling, uh, and, and like fueling Slanesh instead. Uh, and, and it said, it, and then the follow-up was like, and that seed of doubt is what will doom them. Like the, the, the fact that they have that moment of doubt is, is what will ultimately, you know, cause their downfall. And I know this is the Slanesh book, so it's got a big up Slanesh, but uh, I didn't feel like I'd seen that before. Maybe you have, Paul. Um, so this is something that they've really, really pushed forth in uh, the mortal realms that was not quite as present or completely void in the old world. Um, Slanesh is very much more defined as to who he was. In the old world, he was far more of just like, he is lust. He is passion. He is like, it was more of very narrow descriptions of like physical emotion. Um, so he was far more based on emotion and specific emotions, right? All the chaos gods were very much based on specific emotions. But in the mortal realms, they're, they've kind of have pushed this idea that he's more about excess in general. Um, and this book did this very clearly that it laid out that like, it's not just any excess, it's specifically excess that 
begs for new experience, right? It's not like somebody who just sits there for 45 days and tries to learn uh, a piece of music, right? It's somebody... I, I disagree I, I, yeah, Disagree specifically. I, I am, I'm with Aaron on this one. Well, I think, I think it's any and all of it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. So I think it's somebody who wants to learn the piece of music because they want to beat somebody else, right? Or they want to be the best. It has to be a form of excess that is trying to seek something above somebody else or trying to seek something for personal gain, right? Because sure, somebody- that's, that's different than, you know, so now you, you shift, you you talked about like a, trying a variety, but I think there's room for like, uh, like what's, what's the- uh, monomania uh, obsession with a single thing. I think that is hundred percent possibly like there's, there's the, there's the, I need to try everything. There's the, I need to try all experience, but there's also the, the, I, I need to be the best at this. And I, I, I don't know if I even agree that you must be better than somebody else. Uh, although I guess if you're saying I need to be the best, then, you know, by definition you're comparing. So. <laughs> well, what I, I'm think all, to- I think it's all of the above. I think literally everything that has been mentioned are in the do- domain of Slanesh, whether it's better than other people, maybe it's your own perfection. Maybe, maybe if you were a hermit out in the middle of nowhere and had no interaction with anyone, but were still obsessed with that one thing, you'd be, in my mind, you'd be feeding Slanesh. Like, so, if I want to be the best at Woodland, mm-hmm. sticks into points. But, oh man, I love that Woodland sticks into points. Like, Slanesh is going to, he's going to. Yeah take notice of that and i i like that uh that that uh idea of striving for perfection because you know you, you talk to your kids like hey it's it's all right to you know try to be real good at something but like if you if you set your standard as i need to be perfect at this like perfection is is essentially impossible and so i like this idea of what are you teaching your kids <laughs> so many things. perfection uh, above all david you're doing them a disservice <laughs> my kids are gonna run circles around your kids <laughs> well uh, uh but with this idea of like like really like if if you are obsessed with something you can probably always find something that could have been better right and so the idea that these uh that you're fueling slanesh by this quest for perfection, which you will never reach. Therefore you are always questing for it. Like that's, that's pretty like that. Uh, that has this sort of undercurrent of, uh, despair and futility, which feels very chaos gaudy to me. Mm-hmm. You know, I guess what I'm trying to delineate is that if you were, so if you were to play the same song, like 45 days in a row, right. To me is not that far off of trying to grow food for your family every day for 45 days in a row, right? And then I feel sorry for your family now, you guys. <laughs> so there is like a normal level of dedication, a normal le- level of understanding and willingness to achieve, right? And that is not what Slanesh actually gets power from. What he gets power from is somebody who's like trying to cheat, trying to win, trying to find ways to make the hard road easier sure. even at the expense of themselves I, right i think i think when you compromise yourself when you compromise correct uh, when, when you compromise yourself in that quest for perfection that's when it flips over to uh mm-hmm. slanish like now all of a sudden you're fueling slanish more than and uh, because they've delineated that so clearly like it really brings into question what every race does, right? It brings shades of gray to every race's aims, right? The Lumineth want to cleanse 
chaos from Hish, right? Well, if you're cleansing chaos from Hish by destroying Hish and by taking things that aren't yours because you say, this is mine now because I've decided this is the most important thing in the world, right? Are you feeding Slanesh by your actions or are you actually feeding the aims of the Lumineth, right? If you are growing Nurgle's garden, but you're growing Nurgle's garden because you want to have the biggest and the best garden that Nurgle has ever had outside of his demonic realm, are you feeding Slanesh or not? And I, I like that it's really clearly bringing into question all these motivations and where that power is going. It's a really interesting uh, detail. It really seems like they've taken what ended what started off as a fairly narrow like purview of a yes. chaos god and has and and is made it maybe the most abstract out of all. Of them. I mean, maybe seem to argue against that, but like it, it seems like it is blown wide open now at this point, which I think is cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, right on. Sorry, Iron Pit and Koros. No, I don't know that the Chaos Gods have... Maybe they haven't even really noticed that uh, mm. Slanesh has made it back, which, I mean, I'm sure Zinch has, and I'm sure Zinch probably caused it for whatever reason, but uh, that remains to be seen at this mm-hmm. point. And I think, if if I could take a, a different point here, so this is an interesting battle tome to me for particularly the reason of we come up to and exactly to the moment of Broken Realms Marathi and we go no further, Right? So because we are so fixed on a specific moment in time, the book doesn't go farther. Mm. So the lore that we're going to see going forward is not going to be in the battle tome because it's going to be in Broken Realms. Well, yeah, and so do you, do you think that this is happening? Do you think if this book had not come out in the middle of Broken Realms series that it would have progressed the timeline more? Uh, I, I guess it's that, more of a question for later, but I, I, mm-hmm. I got that sense is that... It, yep. This hadn't dropped in the middle of uh, a set of books that are specifically progressing the timeline. We might we might learn more here, but it's like, hey, we're gonna we're gonna save these reveals for the books that are specifically designed for that. Yeah, I definitely got that feeling. Right, um, I don't necessarily think that it severely limits the battle tome in any way, but it does place it specifically in a time. So this battle tome felt to me a lot more like the old. Um, books that we would get in the old world because they kept going up to a specific moment in time and no farther. Right. So this to me felt a lot like that. And the interesting thing to me is that we're going to have these stepped moments, right? Because I'm sure another battle tome has been written to release after battle to- or by broken realms, techless or broken realms, Bellacor, right? We're going to have these stepped moments in time where the battle tomes go up to and no further than. Um, so that's a new kind of battle tome that we haven't had before. Yeah, I think, I think um, up until, the, up until re- which is crazy, we're five years in, into the game or no, six, almost six years in the game. So up, up until this point, like the battle tomes that we get are always so full of story because a lot of times it's these, it's these new armies or it's armies that we know, but in a, like are new in AOS or like we're, we're, we're catching them up or catching ourselves up with, through their backstory. It's, uh, it's rare that we get a, a sequel battle tome, which is, you know, the slanishes, I mean, except for those Stormcast ones that we are getting like every year for a while. Um, but 
you, you could say that like we were never getting the story pushed particularly far in any battle tome that we've ever gotten. And now it's just sort of been like very highlighted in that like we know the story is moving forward. It, it, it's rarely been so clear that we have a storybook in the form of a campaign book, these Broken Realms books and a battle tome releasing at the same time and sort of expecting the battle tome to move forward, but I don't think the battle tome, that's not the, that's not the avenue that the, that's not the, the driver that the battle tomes are for. It's, it's to catch you up to this point in time. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's the purview of the, uh, campaign books to move forward. And so, um, I think for this, this Slanesh book, it, it, the, the point was never to move forward. It was just to catch those of you who maybe who, who didn't read any of the Broken Realms books, though you should, cause they're really cool. Um, or listen to our episode, uh, cause that's also really cool. <laughs> wink um uh, but uh, it's it's to catch you up purely from the slanesh perspective to what was going on in in that story and i i wonder as time goes on where we're almost only only going to get like sequel battle tomes like from here on out like the the quote-unquote new battle tomes are probably going to be fewer and far farther between and we're only going to be getting the, these updated tomes that are like you said a great, a great way to put it the stepped um uh, move forward movement in the story are only ever going to catch you up to the most current, you know, major storyline, which is going to be told somewhere else. Um, mm. Which I, I don't, I don't mind. I think that's probably the right way to do it actually. Right. Like for those of you that, that want to find out more about where the story is going, um, regardless of what your army is, like you're going to all, you know, be drawn towards whatever the campaign is at the current moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're not going to be missing anything. Like that's where all the story beats are going to happen. And the battle tones are just going to be sort of that supplemental, like here's where we're at today. Yeah. It's interesting because when Age of Sigmar dropped, we had the, the realm gate wars, right? Like it was like right away we had, you know, here's this new thing. And then here's this rapidly progressing storyline. And then we had this, uh, almost like, I don't know, fallow period where they just kind of were, like, okay, well, let's tell you about some of these races that exist now in the Age of Sigmar, now that is a setting in a game that exists. And then they, uh, then there was the Necroquake, and uh, then things kind of paused for a while. And But now it feels like it's picking up again. We're, we're kind of marching along. We're progressing the storyline. Uh, and maybe, maybe that's specifically because we've kind of filled out, we filled out the factions we know about, by and large. And so, uh, like you were saying, a lot of the, a lot of the army books from here on out might be like remakes of ones that we were like, we're starting to see some of these repeats like daughters of Cain and technically he knights of Slanesh is a, is a repeat. Um, and so now we can kind of return to progressing the storyline. Um, uh, so it's interesting that we've kind of come back to where, back to where we were when age of Sigmar started only now we have a more fleshed out universe. Uh, awesome and great. So um, we've talked before in our previous episode talking about sort of a lot of the demon and older um, mortal uh, Slanesh like units, like the, the followers of Slanesh. However, with this book, um, one of the highlights, one of the the new items that people folks wanted to know about, I wanted to know about, were these mostly mortal followers of Slanesh because I think that was a, a very stark lacking um, component to the previous book is that we, we found out all about these demons but they're obviously they were mortal followers of slanesh and we weren't hearing about them where where are they what are they doing what's up um this book sheds a little light on them by a little i mean a fair bit of light on them um and i think we should probably talk about them these are called the the sybarites is this am i saying that right cyberites sybarites i'd say sybarites is how sybarites yeah. yeah me too uh similar to what the bloodbound for corn or the arcanites for zinch or the third thing right no what is it what's nurgle 
they are here and they are ready for Slanesh, they being the, the Sybarites. Uh, what did you guys find out about the Sybarites? Tell me about them. Pretend like I didn't read this book and uh, you're informing me about who they are and what they do. Uh, so we talked some about, I mean, I think in Paul's discussion of what what uh, what fuels Slanesh, like I, I think you become a Sybarite at the moment where you start uh, compromising your yourself, like we, we were talking about. Uh, I think it even specifically says like, the moment where you like, you know, kill somebody else. Um, although I, I imagine that there's ways to do it without, without murder straight yeah, up. Where's, where's the fun in that though? Yeah. Um, but th- that's how you end up, <laughs> uh, popping over. But, uh, specifically now, like they've, they've been around, uh, but they're like, if you know what I mean, <laughs> <laughs> uh, they're boiling up out of the woodwork now. Um, they've, They've either been on the periphery or they've been in secret, but yeah, this recent events have, have really kind of uh, increased the, the sort of frenzied urgency that they feel uh, to pursue the, uh, pursue the worship of their God in whatever way it may be. And, and we still have those three different factions, the invaders, uh, pretenders, and God seekers. Yeah. In fact, you answered a question I forgot to ask, but uh, Severe Elon, I wanted to know, um, ha- have the armies of mortal Slanesh followers been around and just out of the spotlight until now? Or are these large groups suddenly devoting themselves to Slanesh? So you've sort of touched on like those who have always been around, but sort of in hiding. But I, if I if I read it right, there's also a fair bit of just like new converts uh, and converts sort of a strong or maybe not strong enough term for this, but with the sort of intensity of the movement of Slanesh, whether it's this this newborn that got thrust into the world, or just like his increasing power as he like breaks chains here and there, uh, it it is drawing more and more people to him, even those who weren't you know following him initially. Uh, I think he's he's getting a, a stronger presence in the in the realms, and in doing so, he's he's ca- catching more people in his his people net. <laughs> I will make you work. catchers of people. Well, I mean, you, you make a joke about a, a, a people net or whatever, and we can think about that existing for the other chaos gods. Uh, that is something that I imagine like is becoming more and more a thing again for Slanesh as he begins to break out of his prison, which again, we're going to touch on uh, later. But now that he's managed to like free a whatever a vile, unspeakably vile, you know, essence of his... Uh, uh, you know, a shard of his truest and most vile essence, I think was what it was. Um, like his ability to kind of collect and uh, feed off and then return back to the world, that energy is probably accelerating at this point. Yeah. Well, and I think the one of the unique aspects of Slanesh is in play, uh, and I thought they did a really good job of spelling it out here, which is that the father of Slanesh doesn't need a warband. Right, the follower of Slanesh doesn't need like a club. They follow Slanesh because they have become obsessed. Right? It is the most personal of devotees of a chaos god because Korn glories in death, right? In killing. Zinch glories in plans, but plans really need other people to work unless you're already like this uber powerful, amazing person, right? But usually plans are like, I'm going to try and take over the city or I'm going to try and overthrow this dynasty, right? And for Nurgle, 
like you're there to to spread the garden, right? So you want to be with other people who spread the garden. But for Slanesh, you're just obsessed, right? You can hide obsession. And it talks about that. It's like, oh, I'm obsessed and I killed somebody because they found out that I'm an obsessive and I want to hide that, right? So it is only when battle fully forms that you actually find out how many obsessives there are. When people are like, oh, oh, now's the time, right? Instead of hiding and meeting, et cetera, it's just more like, oh, yep, this is the moment we're all leaving now. But it's not necessarily a concerted moment. It's not necessarily a leader. It just kind of, this is the moment when my obsession takes control, which is a, a fascinating difference to me from all the other chaos gods. There are no atheists towards Slanesh in foxholes. Mm-hmm. I've always said. <laughs> <laughs> uh, are you talking uh, about Illumineth with the foxholes? That's what I'm hearing now. That's true. Uh, Thundercake had a question. He asked, uh, mortal empires devoted to Slanesh? Question mark. Uh, mortal empires that fell to Slanesh from within or without? So I think he's asking about some of these uh, mortal empires. Um, I don't know that it calls out entire empires uh, dedicated to Slanesh, which is not to say they don't exist. In fact, I'm sure they exist. It just didn't really uh, name any per se. But um, some other interesting sort of tangential-related tidbits in the book was that, um, I just have a list here, I'm going to talk about them. There's the Great Pretender of Stigix, um, which you'll recall is near uh, Lethus, Lake Lake Lethus and the town of Lethus. So he's this great pretender and he's been luring folks out from Lethus uh, into the wilds. And so like, it seems like he's, he's drawing uh, the people out, potentially having it fall eventually to Slanesh. I don't know, quite possibly. I mean, um, there was, uh, we didn't talk about it, but in the Age of Sigmar, there's the meat miser of Audrin, uh, who uh, basically you know, caused the downfall of his. So you, you imagine where where that civilization used to be is probably a, a big old Slanishville now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, man, this seems like a weird place to talk about it because we haven't really brought up these folks, but there's a, a new special character that we'll chat about in a sec named Glutus or Scullion. Um, and he, this dude consumes whole border towns and cities. Uh, so if you want to talk to a place that falls to Slanesh, falls into this dude's belly for Slanesh. Um, and then uh, there's some new units. Um, there are these Myrmidesh uh, folks, and they, they hail from isolated temples of blade sex out in, you know, middle of nowhere and so although they're not necessarily entire empires uh they're definitely temples and who, who knows how big this temple is uh dedicated to slanesh so um there's, there's a few uh interesting hooks uh, out there uh, alluding to sort of larger followings of uh, oh gross um uh, uh slanesh i just wanted i want to sl- sneak that one in there for our old friend thunder cake uh i think Now's probably well. Any other thoughts on that front before we continue? Um, I, I, if you read the Lumineth novel um, that just came out, there is actually um, three different war bands that are all uh, devoted to Slanesh that are all chasing the same thing. Um, mm-hmm. So, from a Black Library perspective, there are definitely mortal empires. Um, not necessarily stationary, uh, but there are definitely mortal empires, massive armies, massive followers um, that are roaming the realms. I'm sure 
that like most of Zinch, right, there are absolutely uh, mortal empires where they are being controlled by Slanesh, uh, but not necessarily overtly. So I, I think that's absolutely a yes. Right on. Um some of those examples, I think we're, we're touching on some of the new units and, and characters and stuff. So I think we should probably talk about literally the, the new uh, models or, you know, new units in the book. Cause there's some good ones. There's some really neat ones. Um, there's only a handful. I bet we could probably talk about it. Talk about them all quickly. How do we feel? Yes. Yeah, sure. All right. Um, uh, there's the, I'll start, I'll just start with the Lords of pain. So that was basically, um, the general term for our guy, uh, What's his name? Geth, Geth something. Paul said it really good last time. Gestherix? Gestherix, yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's the dude. the blade-looking dude who came <laughs> I love it. <laughs> the, bla- the bladed-looking dude um, from Shadow and Pain. Um, basically, he's just a souped-up, <laughs> uh, the strongest and fastest uh, mortal uh, follower of Slanesh. He loves uh, causing pain. He loves like receiving pain. He's all about that pain, you guys. Long walks um, on the pain beach. Long walks, walks on the pain, pain beach. Pain. <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, it's r- real pain for his real friends, and then real pain for his sham friends. Um, it's just real pain for ev- everybody. Any other <laughs> any other thoughts about this Lord of Pain? We're gonna do him quickly. Um, so one of the other things that I I had heard brought up is that um, it's about the excess of feeling and emotion. So a lot of the things that Slanesh actually brings out are more about actual feeling, like uh, experience. Um, and so it talks about how the Lord is of Pain actually they discarded much of their formerly concealing warplate to better savor the torments of battle. Their muscled frame swollen by Slanesh's favor, it is impossible to miss a Lord of Pain, right? So that's one of the defining things about um, these guys is that they revel in the battle. They revel in the experience of the battle. Um, they want to feel every cut. They want to feel every wound that they take and that they give. Um, and that's kind of very pronounced here in the Lord of Pain because he's got a maul, right? He doesn't have a sword. He doesn't have a scythe. He doesn't have crab claws. He's just got a giant smashing thing because he wants to experience the death. He wants to experience the pain. Um, so that's kind of a, a twist uh, that Slanesh really goes into is that it's it's far more about the experience of war it's not about the end result it's not about the conquering it's about the experience itself would you say it was about the friends we made along the way (laughs) not the fiends the friends. no no not the fiends the friends hey thanks for that um (laughs) next next on the list are the shard speakers and or i can't remember what do the shard speakers do oh i totally want this one uh, so the shard speakers actually includes a super fun little story where this guy wants to trap Slanesh by making a mirror that will just like absorb all of his vanity. Right. But he fails miserably. Um, and, uh, so Slanesh is able to trap him. So there's this mirror theme that's going on. We're going to talk about it a little bit in Sigvald too. But 
the specific thing about the shard speakers is they have these shards of mirrors that they use to reflect um, the the nature of themselves and also just their opponents. And they're able to use this as a type of magic to control and just dismay their opponents. Um, so I thought that was a super cool theme to start tying into Slanesh is their vanity has become a weapon. So I thought that was cool. I think so too. Um, next on our list are these uh, Bliss Barb archers. And I'll stop and, and point out that Thundercake had another question. And he said, uh, this, is a, I'm sorry, this is a pretty involved question. Um, let me see if I get this right. What's the lore behind those archer people? <laughs> pretty involved. Right. It's uh, very complicated. So well, the Bliss Barb archers, they're kind of the lowest on the totem pole. Um, and they, they kind of can't remember when they became uh, acolytes of Slanesh or, or uh, Sybarites. I should say, um, they, uh, everything else, uh, was like a dream. And now, now they're, what they're here for is just is kind of, uh, you know, rolling waves of sensation. Uh, but they are too low on the totem pole to enjoy the, uh, the visceral thrill of close combat. Uh, and so that's why they are having to fire arrows because they're not, they're not entitled to get up close and personal. Um, and so I, you know, I can, I can dig on that. Like that. I, I like how they're, you know, how they justify why the, you know, lowest on the totem pole are, are, uh, are the ranged fighters. Um, what's, what's cool is at the end, they like, when, when they think their bosses aren't looking, they'll run in and start stabbing with daggers, which, <laughs> <laughs> which on the tabletop I'm sure is terrible, but like, I would love the moment where you're like, they're like, ah, I could charge. It's a really bad <laughs> idea, but like these guys would probably charge, wouldn't they? Like, you know, if you're if you're if your general's too far away, you're like, yeah, yeah, here we go. Um, but uh, uh, so that, but they're particularly good archers, and it's because like their senses have been heightened in order to uh, enjoy all these experiences. All their senses have, have been heightened to this extreme uh, degree, and so uh, if your senses are really uh, enhanced then you become a very good archer it would seem so everybody knows that yeah and and they have like they have cool poisons like they're um there's there's a weird like guy whose job is just to carry like he, he crawls around he's like the i don't know uh the poison gimp i don't know like he homunculus i thought homunculus yeah he, he like you know follows them around and they can uh, is this like incense poison thing that they can uh, enhance their arrows with, which is kind of a cool. I, I, it really feels like one of those things where like the sculptor thought of, you know, the, the person coming up with the minis like, oh man, this is so cool. And then I would love to be like the rule writer and you get that set of models and be like, oh, look at this guy. Like, this is so rad. I have to make a cool rule for this guy, you know? And uh, it just seems like a, a neat way of, of making your game is like, here's something that's really cool think of some cool rules for it yeah very neat um davy can since you're already talking about these bliss barb archers would you would you be willing just to roll right into these bliss barb seekers like just take it to that next level yeah uh so this is this is a little bit weird because they are on steeds of slanish they're not actually they're not on steeds of slanish they're on exalted steeds of slanish even better these mm -hmm. steeds go to 11 <laughs> right exactly i mean probably everything goes to 11 just some things go to 
12, 13. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> but that's where, I don't know. They should only go to six. Six, six, six. Uh, <laughs> so like the, the, the only way to enhance this is like, uh, you know, causing all this pain from afar, but like do it super fast is even better. Um, so it, it, it's particularly Bliss Barb Archers who've had a uh, brush with death or like similarly mind-blowing experience. They will all of a sudden like be struck by this urge like, oh my gosh, like that was so intense. I gotta, I gotta like, I need more. And so then they'll go to seek out uh, a seeker, an exalted seeker mount, which is I guess how they're distinguishing the fact that these mounts are uh, clearly larger than some of the other ones we've seen. Uh, I, I'll be honest, I've not seen the figures in person side by side, but that's the impression I get on, on uh, seeing the pictures of them. And if not larger, at the very least, more dynamic and like faster oh, and, so just, and just yeah. flat out cooler. Yeah. Um, from, if, from what I remember, if I remember correctly, in the Storm of Chaos, a herald, um, you could mount the demonets on the herald's Mount of Slanesh, which was colloquially known as the Boobworm, and that was an exalted steed. So I think they're actually carrying over that term, but they made miniatures that match more of the existing steed of Slanesh. Um, so I think they're actually going back to the classic um, demonic legions and applying these to the mortal uh, riders. So uh and so you know trying trying to get one of these steeds of slanish is really rough like it you most most fail when they're attempting to do it uh but some who keep their eyes on the prize uh, <laughs> can make it happen and then they're uh they're able to ride and then uh did we had a question which was how to distinguish these two is that correct somebody so uh, Darth Alec, I uh, wanted to know what is the difference between Seekers and Exalted Seekers anyways? Yeah. So unlike the lesser mounts ridden by Hellstriders, ew, gross, so yesteryear, so world it was, <laughs> Exalted Steeds are capable of persisting in the material realm far longer than most demons. They achieve this via the devotion lathered upon them by their mortal riders through, proper, uh, through profane ritual and the willful mingling of blood. These two entities become almost inseparable. It is said that an exalted steed can outrun even one of the hallowed griff chargers of Azir. It, and is that how they phrase it? Do they say it, it is said? Because, man, that is this a, a, a case of, uh, I don't want to say unreliable, unreliable narrator. Say it. I don't want to pay royalties um, to Paul. Say it so Paul doesn't have to say it. <laughs> <laughs> unreliable narrator. Um, so, like, is it a bone of contention, I wonder? Uh, or, or literally, is it up for debate? Or um, I wonder if one is actually. I mean, we can just go to the faster. war scroll. We we can check the check <laughs> check, check the stats. Check the scoreboard. Um, yeah, so that's uh, I'll say interesting in that I don't I can't think of a more elegant. I'll be the judge of that. <laughs> Touche. Um, got me good. Uh, it is one of our m most oft repeated phrases. Is like our uh, adjectives is interesting yeah, it's <laughs> so my fault. after having sat out several episodes and being a listener i'm like oh man you say interesting a lot <laughs> yeah um but it i don't know how else to do it but it seems a shame that like these the lowest of the low of the mortal followers of slanesh are the ones who are riding like the best mounts whereas <laughs> the you know the the 
the hero level demons and like the health flare and like all the chariots and like the seekers themselves are all in these like lame old school seekers. Whereas uh, who's not not even allowed to stab somebody with a sword is apparently allowed to ride this exalted. See, I I mean, obviously if they could do it in a different order, they would, but I mean, here we are, but it's, it's going to be, at least for me, jarring every time I every time I see it. Hopefully, they just phase out the old models, and we don't have to really have to deal with them anymore. Yeah, I don't know if they will. Like Hellstriders exist in this book as a little callout box on the side. Yeah, I was amused by that. <laughs> Which is, I mean, I think they still have they still potentially have a place if you're making an army, but like physically, the models uh, are just so much less dynamic that it's almost disappointing to include them. Like when you have these. You know, to the extent that I was like, oh man, if I was going to do Hellstriders, could I convert them onto the new <laughs> cool looking steeds? It's a lot of work. Modeling for advantage, because apparently then they'd be so much faster. <laughs> but like, they don't, they don't even, I mean, it's just, they don't even aesthetically match anything. Like the whole, the, the, most of the Slanesh range has gotten such an overhaul that like, they don't even jive really these days. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I, th- I think, I don't know if I entirely agree with that. I, I think they're, you know, some of the, well, no, that's fair. I, I, you're right. Like the, the, there's a really unifying aesthetic in the, uh, in all the new mortal, um, followers that doesn't necessarily tie in with the, the older, they're, they're not like totally out, but they, they don't tie in as tightly with the rest. Yeah. I mean, a, a paint job would, would go, it goes a long way to like tie them all together, mm-hmm. but it like your paint job, maybe what paint job <laughs> um but and not to downplay the hellstrider i actually have some hellstriders that i'll have to put together i'm going to do the shadow paid box uh next actually um but uh it, it it's it's a weird place uh in, in like where this range is currently is specifically as it applies to those like mounts i think um yeah. so i think that there's a point to be made here where we kind of all feel like this is a little bit disappointing because the range hasn't all been designed and released all at the same time because we've been so spoiled with so many battle tomes getting a complete new redesign, right? With Illumineth coming out all at the same time and and the Ideneth coming out all at the same time and the Gloomspike gets getting such a redesign to see these models having older models included in them is a little bit jarring because it is such a cool new range, but it does include older models in it. And that's something we haven't seen in, in quite a while, uh, to my memory. Yeah, I mean, it is a whole different conversation, but like, it, it's one, one of my least favorite things about Age of Sigmar is how much, uh, uh, what's a nicer way to say baggage that comes al- along with a lot of these armies. But Existing but- sculpts. Uh, baggage seems right, uh, <laughs> but that's neither here nor there. Um, speaking of Hellstriders, uh, Varen Scribe Flintov asked a question: uh, Why would a mortal accept the boon of riding one of these Slanesh mounts uh, when once they do their once they do, they are forever attached? And if those riders became skilled enough and maybe gained more boons, is that the reason the de- demon variant exists? What do you guys think about that? So I think that. The second part of his question is is assuming that like hell striders that do well enough become uh you know like seeker cav like the demonettes on cavalry and I, I think those are two entirely different um or, or you know like i think it's it's two totally different things like i think that's 
you can't go from one to the other although i'm sure like somebody could create a story that does uh as far as like why would you ever do it i mean like there's there's a lot of why would you ever when it comes to chaos um i don't think any of these people sit down with like a pro con sheet and then like you know see which column adds up to more and then go for it unless they're obsessed with pro con sheets and then yeah Maybe. Oh, snap. Oh, Aaron, look out. Aaron, no. Uh, yeah. um, so this actually highlights another really, really fascinating facet of this book. You can't just switch mind. to the it's word magic. fascinating. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's better. It's I'm, trying. I'm trying. I'm um, trying. I love the effort. Uh, which is that we don't actually see any evidence that mortals become demons for Slanesh, as opposed to in Slaves to Darkness, where a mortal can become a demon prince and then eventually a demon, right? Um, we don't actually have that with Slanesh. And because Slanesh is so powerful, because he is the god of excess, the god of obsession, he is constantly being fed by these mortal souls. And it's really highlighted by the fact that to get to his palace, you go through these seven circles of obsession, right? Avidity and etc. But every circle is designed to trap you. But you don't get trapped and die. You get trapped and persist in your obsession. Every trap of the seven layers is designed to continue to keep you alive, but to persist in your obsession. And so the idea of actually going from a mortal into a demon is actually a foreign concept to me as far as this book, uh, this battle tome spells out. Um, the only thing that we have that's even remotely close is we have Silesk, where Silesk was a herald, or Sil was a herald and Esk was her favored champion. And Esk gave of himself so that Sil could return to being a herald after she was uh, found wanting. But that's the closest that we come for a mortal becoming a demon, but he doesn't become a demon. He just becomes bound to a herald. Mm -hmm. So I don't ever see a Hellstrider becoming um, a seeker because the, her the, the demons are parts of Slanesh, right? Whereas the mortals give themselves to Slanesh. They don't have a part of Slanesh's soul. He doesn't need to give them any power because he takes power from them. And as opposed to Korn, where he'll watch his his people and be like, you're killing stuff. I like you, right? Same thing with Nurgle of like, you're giving out my gift. Same thing with Zinch of like, you're fulfilling my plans. Slanesh is just like, I'm amused by you for a little bit, but then I get tired of you. So I don't really care. Like, I don't care that you worship me. You give me power. That's all that matters. So I don't see anyone going along the path to demonhood long enough to actually become a demon because he has so much power to begin with. Why would he bother wasting his time paying attention to a mortal? Right on. Um, I'll just point out that um, through Sil's ministrations and the will of mighty Slanesh, Esk was returned to life as a demonic champion. So I wouldn't say never. I'm sure it happens uh, pretty regularly. 
So, uh, yeah, and I think even in the first book, it said he was turned into like a demon prince, but in this one, it apparently is just a demonic champion. Anyways, at any point, um, I, I bet it happens, and uh, I'm willing to find out. I'll see you guys later. <laughs> oh, do you want to bring up the Simbaresh Twin Souls? Uh, well, we got to do the, the Mirrodish Painbringers because apparently they're first. Well, I guess that, yeah, they kind of lead into them. But so the Painbringers are, I kind of mentioned them before. Uh, they are, they like are, are, they hole up in these like isolated temples because they are so dedicated to the art of, I guess, warfare, like martial prowess. And so uh, we always, we often talk about like the obsession with being perfect and like maybe the arts or other like personal hobbies. Well, these dudes or dudettes, personal hobbies is slicing people up um, with their swords. So it's, it's, they're practicing the art of perfection in like warfare. And, um, I think what sets them apart is because a lot of the uh, other Slanesh, you know, mortal followers are, you know, are dedicated, like not dedicated, but like throw themselves into like decadence and, um, like sort of like this wild, reckless abandon kind of like motif. Um, that's like the opposite of these pain bringers and that they seem very controlled and regimented because they're really focused on, uh, the task at hand. And by that, I mean killing people. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, but like a specific fighting style, like, you know, like we, we talked about this before, like the monomania thing, like they're like, we're going to, we are collectively going to perfect this sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it just so happens it uh, lends itself to creating a model of it and then sending them on a battlefield to chop fools up. Uh, so they're, I mean, definitely becoming one of my favorite models in the range. Um, but then that leads to the Simbaresh twin souls. Um, and I'll, I'll point out that our friend Basaru asks, how do twin souls work? What's their connection to the pain bringers like? What, what a, this is talking about the kind of dichotomy that we touched on earlier, where it was like, you know, are you all in on one thing? Are you trying to experience more than one thing? And so Simbaresh, they like, there are followers that start out as pain bringers and they start to chafe against this idea of like, like, uh, like trying to be in this crowd, I'm not standing out. Like no one can see how much better I am. And so they take this shortcut to getting better, which is demonic possession. Uh, but, and it's this thing where like, I really like, again, it's back to this idea that the uh, homunculus that we talked about with the bliss bar archers, I feel like somebody made this model and somebody else was like, okay, how can I make rules that do? And so it's, it's something as small as like the twin souls, like they no longer have this baseless helmet on. They they take it off so like people can see like, oh, that person who just did that really sick move, like the backflip kill, that was this guy. Uh and so like they're they are more individualistic. Like they're like, hey, check me out. Like I am uh I'm cool for this thing that I'm doing different than all these other people. So they're 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 they started out as Mermadesh pain bringers, but they needed uh more individual recognition than they were getting in that uh and this is this is i don't uh you know like the the rules is not something we focus on a lot here but they have they have a cool rule that where they depending on which of the, the either the demon or the mortal which one is in control determines whether they're like fast or durable or or whatever and uh it's one of those really fun rules that kind of captures uh in a very uh, simple way what on the table what the the background is for these so um they they have this combined and it's just like struggle will so you can't have the same thing more than once i don't know like i i i, I think these these dudes are rad um 
and it's it's a kind of cool exploration of the lore translated to the tabletop, which I think they did really well. Yeah. And I, I love in, in like one breath, I was saying, oh, the, the pain bringers, I mean, everybody else is, you know, reckless abandon and, and sort of wild individualism. Oh, but the point, pain bringers aren't, but even the pain bringers have a hard time, like keeping it together and, and keeping their cool, uh, keeping their chill, so to speak. Uh, and they oftentimes they branch out, make deals with demons and, and become these, these twin souls. So um, even the most controlled and focused amongst the Slanesh uh, are, are fighting against their, uh, you know, their... Their inner urges, so to speak. Speaking of inner urges, we've got these Slangor fiend bloods uh, who are all about the, the, the merges. Paul, did, what, what did you gather from our new bestial friends? Um, well, the thing about the, the fiend bloods is that, uh, number one, I'm super happy that we have an actual Slangor model now. That's super cool because they've... They've had Zangors. They already had, had one from Dire Chasm. Fair. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm glad that we have a unit of Slangor now. You are you are absolutely correct. I stand corrected. Uh, but they are basically just completely obsessed with battle. And when they're not in battle, they're just kind of like wandering around in a bit of a daze. Right? But they revel in battle itself to the exclusion of even death. Like they're just like, nope, I'm going to go fight and this is going to be amazing. And I'm going to live out this purpose of my life. Uh, there is actually a cool little legend that talks about how there was this incorruptible order of knights that were perfect in every way. And they were approached by a stranger and asked to drink from a cup. And surprise, the cup contained some of Slanesh's saliva and turned them into uh, the Slangor Fiendbloods. Um, so they really do represent the bestial obsession uh, of Slanesh. So I think that's pretty cool. And I, like I said, I'm really happy they exist. <laughs> Why are we always talking about Slanesh's like bodily fluids? Like, that's not, let's tone it, just tone it down a little bit. As a dad, like, I feel like I get enough bodily fluids in my day to day <laughs> that I don't really need any more. Also, I definitely lo love the Slangor. I'm really glad they exist, but it, it only means that we're going to have to complete the set. So I, I hope those models are already made. Uh, th those models meaning the, um, Korngor. Pestigor. Pestigor, yeah. Pestigor is a way better name. Um, they, they better be on their way. They better be on, on the boat right now because I <laughs> I got to have them. I can't have a half set. That's insane. They want made, demanded. <laughs> <laughs> they made them in sixth edition, Aaron. I already have them. Well, that hardly counts. Um, uh, fair point. The, the, the Korngor and Pestigor were the only ones that existed in previous editions. Oh, Correct. Really? Oh, interesting. So they were they were filling holes with the Zangor and Slangor as indeed they were replacing. Inch. Oh, I didn't know that that part of it. Huh. Cool. Yeah. Didn't didn't change the fact that I need them in plastic, like today, <laughs> like yesterday, basically. I mean, and what's also these Slangor are huge. Like the the mm -hmm. figures themselves. Like uh, I was playing a match of uh, Underworlds and ended up with uh, Slake Slash the uh, the. Um, Slime Gore was lined up against, admittedly, a very small fighter, Quiv, who is a Noblar, but it was literally like <laughs> four times his size. It was just like a comical looking matchup. Uh, and who won? 
not Quiv. <laughs> Asked and answered. I, I don't know if Quiv has ever won anything. <laughs> I'm sure somebody can let me know, but yeah, Quiv is usually hiding in the corner trying not to give up glory. Fair, fair enough. So in addition to these new mod or to like the new units and heroes, we also have some sweet new special characters that I had maybe alluded to before. In fact, we alluded to both of them earlier. Um, first is this, uh, this is it Glutes or Scallion, the Lord of Gluttony. He's that big centerpiece looking model. Um, he's a large fella uh, riding on, is it like a palanquin getting pulled around by like crab dudes, um, getting attended on, attended on, attended to? Uh, by a white no dos. No hablo español. Los cucarachos. So, uh, by by a wide range of attendants, which is also very very cool. Very very um, harkening uh, back to Catacros, like that whole like type. It's it's not just like a model, but it's like a scene almost. It's very cool. Um, but he was a uh, remind me, Paul. What what was the tale with him? Uh, so he was in the land of Zintil. Uh, and he was just basically this massively um, despondent beggar, uh, and he was so attracted to a golden rice that was in the temple of the cornucopia um, that he was just like, I'm so hungry, I'm just gonna, I have to eat something, right? And so he goes and he steals this single golden rice uh, and lo and behold, it was actually tainted by Slanesh. And so he has been cursed that he will always be hungry. Right. Um, and so he has to find a new taste, a new way of eating something always. And the first thing that really sated him in any way whatsoever uh, was he was taunted by a demon to go and eat a dead body. And he was like, oh, okay, this is a thing. Like, this actually works somewhat for me to fill this desire. And so he... So he, he ate a dead body and he felt, like, a little less hungry? Correct. Oof. Um, he basically... It, it, something, it says something splintered within him. Uh, so the shade of Lothshar, which is this demon, appeared before him, assuring Glutos that he was upon the right path, and the demon would assuage, if not banish, his hunger for a time, if only he pursued more esoteric treats. Um, so functionally, he's just a massive cannibal that must continually find different ways to consume his food in order to appease the demon who is torturing him. It's, I, I think it's actually a really cool way of talking about excess and trying to come up with a different way of slanesh besides just lust or etc. Um, so it, it's definitely a new way of looking at the way that slanesh manifests his power in the realms. Um, although I agree with you, I would also say it's actually an old way to talk about gluttony. Like we already have the ogres. Why is this dude not an ogre? Like, missed opportunity, my friends. I mean, how, it's staring you right in the face. Well, I think if you were an ogre, right, it'd be less taboo. Because ogres, of course, they're going to eat people, right? I think the idea is that he is tortured by his hunger. And an ogre would just be like, of course I'm going to eat people. What else would I eat? I eat people. 
That's the thing, right? I suppose that's the trouble with having like infinite realms with wide ranges of like races that like what is totally uh utterly <laughs> for one group of people is like just commonplace for the other <laughs> and it's and it's noteworthy when one person does it but completely uh ordinary when literally an entire race two races <laughs> two armies, uh, do it all the time I mean, he literally looks like an ogre like just slap a gut plate on him um i mean that, he, he could be a stand-in for the gold tooth guy right like just yeah I don't know. um it's it seems jarring to have those two things like separate entities mm-hmm. in the world he's, he's a very cool model and I, it's still a neat little story but it's hard not to make that call back to the ogres uh my big boys uh so he's one uh and then we also have uh sigvald the prince of slun nash david you had mentioned him before plus he has some sort of reference to shade spire and i'd be curious to see what you thought about that yeah uh so uh sigvald specifically um went out in the in the old world um he like we we mentioned before that he got killed by uh the king of the trolls it was uh so he had he had a pretty ignominious defeat but uh before he went he got horribly scarred and this was a big deal for him because he was like perfectly beautiful or whatever uh, he got horribly scarred <laughs> when he was fighting uh one of nagash's uh champions uh krell specifically uh, we haven't seen Krell, right? I don't nope, think so. No. Yeah, Krell's one of the few that has not popped up. Um, but uh, Nagash, being the spiteful douchebag that he is, uh, <laughs> remembered this slight uh, where Sigvald took down one of his favorite champions. So Sigvald, uh, his his soul could have floated for an eternity um, and never come back. But uh, Nagash uh wanted to that wasn't enough for him he wanted to make sure that sigvald was suffering so uh, nagash sought him out found that soul floating out there and said i need some vengeance and uh captured that soul uh to torture it within some shade glass shade glass being uh definitive of the the uh realm of shade spire um and so sigvald was captured in that mirror uh, one that is eventually retrieved and broken, he broke out, and we talked about his uh, quest to destroy all things ugly, um, mostly including Trogoths at the start. Retrieved by who? If I and maybe not specifically, but generally, wasn't it like a, a, a KO expedition? Weren't they the ones who like found found the mirror or something in in Shadespire? Or am I misremembering? Mis- yes, you are correct. Uh, first to discover the magnificent mirror was a caradron expedition from Barak Zilfin, drawn by Avarice to Shadespire. They were overwhelmed by the reflections of themselves as famed and wealthy admirals, all from recovery of this wondrous treasure. And uh, I, I like, I don't know, we, we didn't talk about this before, but I enjoy this, uh, I don't know, kind of quirk of Age of Sigmar, where in in the old world, like, there were chaos doors, but it came from one significant event in the past. And I, I, for some reason I like that, uh, like I'm a big dwarf fan, Dwarden fan. Uh, but I like that they can be corrupted or like, I, I just like that little tweak or whatever. So, um, but they basically inadvertently, uh, um, you know, retrieve this piece of mirror, uh, and then, they uh, escape from the deserts of Penultima, one of Shaif's many underworlds, and uh, 
they are succumbing to this like greed for it. And then they're set upon by other, uh, by a slanish warband, the uh, Scarlet Cavalcade, I think it was. And then uh, uh, Sigvald has regained enough of his power and he has managed to uh, convince the leader of the Scarlet Cavalcade to break him free. And then it's game over, man. Game over. Very cool. Um, it's not in this battle tome, but I don't know, maybe it's worth mentioning that uh, Sigvald is also going to be tapped. He's going to have his part to play in like the greater story at large, as we found in some of the Broken Realms, like little short stories that they've been publishing. There's been one about Sigvald specifically, and he's being called to, I think what we what we know to be like to help siege or attack uh, the city of uh, Excelsis. Excelsis, yep. Yeah. yeah or, so or Excelsis. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's got uh, it's got a target on its back. And that, I knew I they were. Not going to wash clean. Um, so in the cities of Sigmar, not doing so well in these broken realms. You should call them broken cities of Sigmar. Specifically. Yeah. Just rolls off the tongue. Yeah. <laughs> you heard how fast I said it. Uh, very neat. Um, so those, I think, are all the new models and units. Uh, a lot of great stuff. Like it, it exploded the range in terms of like variety and in, in your options here. So very, very neat. Um, now is where I would normally bring up the sub-factions of the army, but I feel like we've probably already talked about them in previous uh, episodes and not really much has changed. However, to that, to wit, um, I'll bring up a question from McMoy, Gray Heresy, but he asks, how, how are the pretenders, which is one of the sub-factions, uh, now after their attempts to try and usurp power, have there been repercussions to them now that the newborn is around? Um, Personally, I don't. I don't think that there's been any explicit uh, repercussions, especially because everything's so new, born. Um, so I don't know that there's necessarily been a chance uh, for them to see the uh, results of that. However, I think there is a little blurb um, in the book that says something to the effect of, uh, "It's likely that when Slanesh breaks his bonds, he'll swallow every claimant to his position." So gross and. Um, <laughs> Let's see if that comes comes to play, right? Because the pretenders are obviously trying to take Slanesh's place. Um, the only thing that can take Slanesh's place is Slanesh, apparently, and uh, we'll we'll see how he uh, deals with that affront to his position. Very cool. And I guess so. With that being said, I'll ask you guys if there are um, other points of interest that you wanted to talk about. Anything else that caught your eye, caught your interest? Before I ask other questions, uh, for me, like one of the uh, I. For some reason, I really like, and I, I've talked about this before on the show, but I, I like this idea where the metaphorical is a uh, thing that is uh, like tradable or like graspable. And I, I remember like encountering this in, uh, I don't know if you guys read uh, Neil Gaiman's uh, The Sandman series. Uh, the, fir- the first one, I didn't read any of the subsequent. Oh, get I read it. my site. No, I read, oh, I read it from Book Club. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we did. Uh, you should read the rest because it only gets better. Okay. Um, but this idea of like, uh, you know, like, uh, so like for this specific thing, like uh, there were uh, 66 chains. There were there were uh, a whole bunch of chains and these mystical, magical chains that are uh, trapping Slanesh. And there's the chain of purest hatred, the chain of utmost betrayals, like all these different things that are holding him there. And uh, it, it, it's just a, I, for some reason, like that, that's something that really captures my imagination. I, I really love that. And there, there's so many of them and they can only give up like 
five specific specific examples, which which is still like pretty cool. Like it, it's the stuff I just kind of gobble up. Uh, and so I really liked reading about that sort of thing of like what, what things were actually binding one of these primeval gods in place and, and how were they broken? Uh, and it, it talked through some of those, uh, which we can talk about, or, or, you know, you can, you can get the, uh, battle tome and read them for yourself. Well, so we, we talked about some of them cause they, some of them were identified at the previous battle tome, but they did add some new ones. I think two of them in this book weren't mentioned before and that there's the, the chain of leashed wrath. You'll recall in our wrath of the ever chosen book, what wrath that makes sense. Um, where Archeon <laughs> went yeah, to like, he got some hint, uh, from his, uh, gaunt summoners who told him basically told him where, where Slanesh was being held and so he led a force out there and was able to snap one of Slanesh's change using the uh, the head of Dorgar uh, the corn head of Dorgar right because it was um, it's yeah. this leashed wrath so he needed some, a cornate uh, power to break one of his chains and so our arcane was able to do so with one of his heads um, so that was a new one and also harkening back to a story beat that we had read about previously and then there was the uh, chain of the stolen apotheosis and that was because Marathi like tunneled into his insides and in doing so like snapped one of his chains as well which, which I gotta say Marathi if you knew there was a chain of stolen mm-hmm. apotheosis like that one one's on you for yep. sure for sure yeah but she probably thinks like there's what 61 other chains I, i'll be fine probably or or furthermore well, i think at that point she doesn't know any others are broken like she thinks this is the first right yeah true uh plus like she's thinking like well i'm gonna turn i'm gonna turn uh deified um like maybe i'll care less if slanesh breaks out if i myself am uh wielding the powers of the cosmos or what have you but she um, already was messing with the balance anyway because she stole more souls than she was supposed to yeah there's actually there's an argument to be made that she was intentionally helping him her it, which, which is odd because it, it says in this book or maybe a different one that she was one of the only ones who was even concerned about him breaking out in the first place it was marathi and like teclas who had to like what was it techless who what it was like two of them had to like scheme and be like no like this is actually gonna be a problem we should probably do something about this while the other ones are like oh no it's fine 66 chains we're cool i i don't know like paul are you saying like she spent so long in slanish's gullet that she may be corrupted like she she may be on the on the uh mm -hmm. uh subconscious level like looking to secure his release it is quite possible Mm. and also that hot take hot take that leads into my my second hot take here which is of course you know about it unreliable narrator guess what it's not here there is no unreliable narrator in this book whatsoever it's like boom slanesh was stupid he got caught hey guess what he's still caught because he's dumb right like that that doesn't actually exist take that back (laughs) <laughs> that doesn't exist in this book. It's a very factual, laid out, objective statement of exactly where Slanesh is right now, what brought him to this point, and what the problems with his faction are. And there's a possible resolution that's going to come, right? But this is not a normal battle tome because it is a completely objective perspective on what's happening right now. It reads very much more like a historical document than a, a a book that is meant to persuade you to believe that this is the best thing ever. I would argue most battle tomes are objective and not unreliable narrator, but I don't want to, 
I don't want to debate this. So All right. I'll just I'll just I'll just set that down right there, and I'll uh, I'll walk away from it. Walk. Then I then I won't take debate. I will just continue. <laughs> okay, that was uh, good though. That was solid. <laughs> Uh, so what I really like to point out is that one of the other things that is pretty spelled out that I noticed while reading this battle tome is that, um, so Slanesh starts the mortal realms completely sated with this glut of elf souls, right? Um, so basically he has embodied obsession by consuming everything that he possibly could of all of these souls that were fleeing from the destruction of the world that was. And this is where Slanesh starts out and he's doing nothing, right? He's in this like torpor because he has consumed so much. He can't move. He can't think he can't control anything. Right. And it is while he is in this torpor that the elven gods are like, dude, we should totally trap him. And then he won't be a threat to anybody. But hello, he was already trapped by his own obsession, right? The weight of the souls within him was literally making him completely inert and not a force within the realms whatsoever. But because the four gods tempted him, he went and tried to consume them as well because he might have possibly won the great game if he would have consumed them. But then they trapped him. Right. And then they decided, hey, we should still get these elf souls out of him. So they started withdrawing from him. Right. So Slanesh starts out the embodiment of addiction, of obsession. Right. He wants everything that he possibly can. But over the course of the history of the mortal realm, so as you move into the age of myth, the age of chaos, right, into the age of Sigmar he basically is in this long and drawn out sobering process because as they continue to draw out these elven souls from him, he starts to lose his obsession because he's not obsessed with actually trying to break out of this prison. He wants to, right? And he's working on breaking chains one by one, but the newborn itself actually embodies the fact that it even says he doesn't know if he can break all the chains. He doesn't know how long it's going to take him to break the chains. And even if he does break all the chains, he doesn't know what other things that they might have set for him to be trapped once those chains are broken. Spinning some of his essence into the realms is not actually the sign of obsession, right? It is a sign of clarity it is a sign of complete understanding of exactly the situation in which they in which he is in. Well, and ironically, like the the being trapped where he's at, like he is divorced from other sensation and it is agonizing. Yep. But guess what? Like like agon- agony itself is like a intense sensation. Mm-hmm. And so like they're uh implicitly powering him by trapping him in this way yeah so what we are getting right what we have right now is we have a completely sane god of chaos because Mm, completely feels 
like a bridge too far, but I, I feel the most sane chaos god we have <laughs> ever had. All right. Is that is that a more low bar? But yes, yep. All right. Right. Like corn is still like embodying rage. Zinch is still embodying like his plans within plans, right? And Nurgle is still embodying growth and and the guard and then trying to spread his love, right? But Slanesh is literally just working apart and methodically going and breaking through everything, which is the opposite of obsession. And if he is released, right, a god who is completely unfettered by their fault is an immensely scary thing to have exist within the mortal realms. Especially with all his bodily fluids. Yeah. So many of them. Well, especially when he has an avatar to go and and bring him power while he's not working at it, right? Because that's theoretically what the newborn is going to do. And yet, despite the fact that he has not been gaining power this whole time, he still is the most powerful chaos god right now. He is sustaining legions of demons while being trapped and in the complete lack of usefulness. It's, it is frightening how powerful this god is and how much potential to destroy everything that there is within his being. So uh, all of a sudden, it, it's not so funny how obsessed I am with stuff, right? Like maybe my obsessions yeah. aren't looking so unnecessary at this mm-hmm. point. So the question is... Yeah, this one's on you. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So the question is, have the elven gods actually created their worst nightmare by trapping the person that they thought was the biggest threat? Uh, we will let the listeners... Uh, mull that one over we'll 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 leave them with that thought not leave them we still have more to talk about but uh (laughs) we'd love to hear your we'd love to hear your take on that everyone uh please uh contact paul directly (laughs) he's he's saying you don't understand i'm not locked in here with you (laughs) (laughs) exactly Uh, in a sense um speaking of listeners i've got another listener question the last listener question if you guys would indulge me i will it's from Uh, indeed yeah, you're on this you're on this wild ride with me. Uh, from Klaus M A Klausma, uh, I don't know. I'm yelling. My kids are sleeping. Not- <laughs> it's, it's you're obsessing, man. Jeez, Louise. All right. Uh, what has changed from the last? I'm embarrassed. What has changed from the last battle from this one? Uh, I think this was a consideration last time. Was that battle tome going to move the story forward i guess we did kind of talk a little bit about like its place in the world so i think talk, we t- talk generally what battle tomes are supposed to do in terms of story but did, did anyone sh- anything jump out at you in terms of changing in this battle tome regardless if it was something new or if it was like re getting a new perspective on something we'd read before or anything of that nature so klaus like uh, short answer is like from a story perspective, like not a ton, but from a model perspective, a lot. Like, I feel like this is the book I wanted when the previous one dropped. Like, I I remember being very, dis- like the, the Keeper of Secrets, amazing figure. But what I wanted was the release of these mortal figures that, that came out. And I love them. I love them all. The Bliss Barb, uh, the Secret Cav, you know, the the Shard Speaker. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. 
like it, it, they just found an aesthetic and like leaned into that and, and captured it. And, and that's the thing is they like brought that into the fold. And so now it feels like a full faction. And so I'm excited for it for, for that sake. But mm-hmm. as far as like pushing the story forward, uh, based on what we already knew going this battle tome, uh, not really much of anything new, which is a little bit disappointing, but, um, but, uh, as far as between the the first one and the last, like if you told me we're, we're going to do another battle tome, same title, but we're going to just bulk out the mortal element, I'd be like, I'm in. And that's what they did. So I'm in. Mm-hmm. A man of his word. Yeah. Oh, I said that about you. Um, yeah, I think it just, it, it, this book really just calls into attention how incomplete the last book was and i guess maybe we didn't know quite to the degree of how incomplete the last one is um but like it this very much feels like a complete package i think in, mm-hmm. in comparison and both from a model perspective but then the things that come with the models like it, it's almost like the last book couldn't reference as much of the the moral aspect of it because there's nothing to show for it like there's nothing to like like you're only going to talk about the things that inform the models that they're trying to sell us um but now that we have that contingent allows it allows the you know the authors or whatever to then focus on that aspect of the lore as well mm-hmm. um, both on the models themselves but then how they even how they got there in the first place and so i think it really filled in that uh picture so i i will answer this question in a, a slightly different way in, with um, a limerick no not with a limerick <laughs> uh so i think my answer to this question is um there have been some changes, right? Um, it did move the story forward. We do have this whole new mass of models, but the range of models that was sculpted for this battle tome that was the new and additional to me was such an amazing range and told you so much just by looking at them. It wasn't that the lore was poorly written. It was that the lore couldn't add enough to make me go, oh, that makes my appreciation for that model increase so much because I understood what the models did apart from details the moment I looked at them. And it's because the models were so well done and so well tied into each other that you could see the progression of like, oh, obviously the Bliss Barb are are the kind of basic unit, but then you have them mounted on here, but then those guys are better killers. And like the fiend bloods go here because of how well that range was designed. I think to me, I felt like there wasn't much that could be added except little details in the lore because they already tell that story so well. Does that make sense? Sure. Yeah. Bye. I hope uh, the question is, uh, does Klaus buy it? That's the real, that's the real test. Hello. Um, He'll let us know. Yeah, I'm sure he will. Yeah, I hope he will. Um, cool and great. That was the last question we had. Uh, let's, uh, one of the last topics I want to talk about is if we have any great black library examples, especially anything that's come out since the last time we talked about the Hidden Knights of Slanesh. Um, I want to call out one. It's, uh, a little audio drama by the name of Darkly Dreaming by Josh Reynolds. I think one of the last like AOS Josh Reynolds things that uh, ever got put out. Um, 
the sheer fact that I put it on this list spoils it a little bit, so I won't go too much into it. But if you like Slanesh, just just trust me, you're gonna like it. Listen to it. Um, it's a it's a it's not particularly long. It's a tasty little story. Uh, give it a spin. Um, I feel like I'm listening to Reading Rainbow by Aaron. Yep. Uh, man, that's a good idea. All right, Ooh. let's grab this. Let's do that <laughs> instead. Um, before I continue, do you guys have any stories you want to talk about? I. I did enjoy Realm Lords by Del Lucas. Um, that definitely has a lot of Slanesh in it. I kind of mentioned it earlier, but not by name. Um, so if you want to get an idea for how a couple of different factions of Slanesh interact with each other, uh, that is definitely a book to read. Um, I enjoyed it quite well. Uh because the main characters are Lumineth, and then they provide a really nice balance to me against the Slanesh storyline. So, which is what they're going for, actually, for Lumineth yeah. balance. Yep. And I, I will say, uh, I feel confident that we mentioned this in the last episode, but the Garden of Mortal Delights is so good. Mm-hmm. It's really good, mm-hmm. um, very excellent, uh, and short stories are always worth the time that you put into them. Um, always probably too much i was gonna say don't we normally give paul crap for uh yeah uh, i'm a hypocrite <laughs> no superlatives <laughs> uh gotcha. i i say i they're much more likely to to pay off and i felt like that one very much did so totes agreed if you want, if you want to taste a slanesh without having to invest in a full novel length um investment then uh garden of mortal delights do it very cool um, all right, and then I think that brings us to the end. Final, final. We're at the home stretch. Give me your, give me your final thoughts uh, of this battle tome. What, what is there left to say? I'm sure I'll find out momentarily. Uh, Davey hit me with it. So uh, this delivers on a lot of things that I wish we had in the previous one, which is the mortals with a awesome uh unifying aesthetic like it's it's rad like i'm so excited about all the new figures that dropped um and this is you know so i i don't play a ton anymore slash at all uh this is the first in a while that made me think like i would collect this army just to have the models have the figures have have them and like have them and paint them um which is, you know, I, I was already predisposed toward this army, but I wanted that mortal thing. I, I wanted to be able to like combine the figures. And now there's enough there that I could do the mortal and demon combo that I was hoping I could do before. Um, so um, strong, strong work there. Uh, the disappointments come from, I think I was excited to see where like, you know, I listened to you guys talk about, uh, uh, broken realms marathi and i was like oh yeah let, let me find out the next thing and there was there was just like the barest sliver of the next thing in this and and uh i think my expectations were to find out more and because i didn't get that i i ended up a little bit disappointed uh but as a as a tool for what it is which is to put an army on the field of play uh i'm i'm all in so uh, I'm going to give it, uh, uh, I'll go four out of the six circles of the realm of Slanish. Boom. With, with, uh, one person who accidentally wandered into the fifth <laughs> and died. <laughs> um, yeah, Paul, what, what were your final thoughts? 
Um, I have to admit that I was very much uh, in the same boat with Davey, where I was hoping that we would get something going forward. Uh, everything that we've had has like moved the, for- the story forward slightly, at least. Uh, give us a little bit more information from Shadow and Pain to Catacombs to Mortal Realms, Marathi. And I was disappointed that um, it did not move forward, right? Um, but I understand why it didn't. Um, now that I know that this is a thing that they can do, I, I don't know that I'll necessarily be disappointed with, for example, the Daughters of Cain Battle Tome uh, or um, the, the continuing storyline as we go. Um, but it was something that I was hoping for a little bit more detail on just what happened who it was but obviously that's not something that's going to be revealed right now um the other thing was i actually was hoping for a bit more artwork i wanted some more like massive battle scenes with the new models in it um i really enjoyed the the new sculpts that are coming out the new ideas that are embodied by those sculpts and I was hoping for more artwork that would show that together. Um, and there weren't as many pieces as I was hoping for. So I was a little disappointed by that. Um, but that being said, um, I, I think I'm a little spoiled by the Broken Realms and by Catacombs and Wrath of the Overchosen because they did push that forward so well. And we did get such gorgeous artwork. Um, and this is a redo and a redo of a battle tome. So compared to my previous understanding of the redo of an army book, which was back in 8th edition, this blows that out of the water. But it didn't meet my expectations for what I have seen uh, for an AOS battle tome. But I understand why. Uh, it is, again, a specific moment in time and meant to plant a flag so made of of people a flag made of people um (laughs) um, all right what do i think about the book so first i'll I'll point out the fact that i would maybe although i'm always looking for like the story to get pushed forward i don't know that i was ever expecting this book to do so so i guess i'm not disagreeing with you but unlike i think the both of you um i'm not disappointed that it didn't because i didn't expect that it would um I, i think it's becoming more and more clear to me that that is like almost that distinctly under the, the purview of like the campaign books and that will any forward pushing that a battle tome does is at the at the most going to be sort of like cliffhangery like um vague hints at the future as opposed to just being sort of explicit with the stuff that's coming up and, and maybe you guys realize that too but i'm just saying coming into it i wasn't disappointed because i don't think that i expected to get much more so because of that i was happy with what, what, what we even read it was a good summary of what i already knew from the previous books that we read uh secondly i feel like i'm always broken record talking about whenever we get a new battle tome i'm always like oh this is very neat this is very cool but man i'm not satisfied i'm curious to know how one would expand on this or that you know this army or that army what is the, the sort of expansion of this army going to look like now i finally have an example of you know what was a, a pretty new range in the initial slanesh book to see that then blown up on the not blown up but blown out uh on the mortal side i I actually got to see the expansion of this army it gives me an even more clear idea what it means to be you know part of the armies of slanesh in the mortal realms and it's great i love that they did it like i i I love um this is this is a great way to to do so to sort of um partition out like a a subgroup or something very clear demarked um 
line of models and sort of added on to this book that so so very seamlessly i think it was a well executed uh way to do so at least in sort of the the model range and i think then the battle tome reflects that uh pretty well um so all in all, I'm I'm pleased. I, if they did this with you know every further expansion of a given army moving forward, I think I would I'll be continuously um, pleased with the way they they go about it. I think it's a good it's a good process. I mean, it's a, it's a little quick turnaround. I mean, there's a lot of other areas that they could have expanded, but I understand. Um, I think they focus on the new is is probably going to continue to like be tied in with the story, or rather, they're going to know what the new is and they're going to make the story follow what the you know what the new releases are going to be actually that probably makes more sense come to think of it so um because of that uh i'm happy with it um maybe the only thing i'm not super as happy with is that uh, we already covered this book and it's a little weird doing like the sequel book i guess we we, we squeezed some uh new thoughts on on it but i think i'm gonna have to come to terms with as time goes on and new battle tomes or battle tomes get released to supplant sort of the older ones um what the best way to uh talk about those are maybe it's just like this maybe nothing will change we'll see finn those are my final thoughts complete finn yeah finn. and so and so with that being said it's time for our reforging, but Sigmar Willing will be back soon. Like, subscribe, share, or leave a review. Join us on Discord, drop a tip on our Patreon. Anything you can do will spread the word of Sigmar farther than we can on our own. Chat with us anytime about your thoughts on Twitter at The Mortal Realms. Paul, where can they find you on the internet? At PJ Shard. Uh, and uh, I'm Aaron at Dos Asos on Twitter. And Davey, where are you at? at red underscore z or if you want to what the heck thing we're at wthcast excellent and you can find all our mortal realms shows and content at www.themortalrealms.com <laughs> <laughs> I, what paint job oh no i ruined my joke by hitting my mic it was a great it was a great joke oh, oh, great oh, time oh, oh. uh man i am out of practice i will be trimming a lot of what i've said oh, thank Something. god not my sweet jokes though my goofs are solid i think my goofs were still there